All right, I think we're ready to get started here today. Uh, if you want me to, I can yell louder. Um, I want to get us started by thanking God for uh, bringing us to this moment and giving us the opportunity to spend uh, three hours together over the course of the next three weeks by his, uh, in his sovereign plan uh, to, to help us. Um, uh, so I uh, want to uh, get us started, and I want to thank God um, as we begin for what he's doing in our church, what he's going to do today. Um, my heart has been encouraged this week in uh, praying with some believers here and uh, just seeing how uh, they declare their dependency upon God, and I want to do the same as we begin. So let's start with a word of prayer. Uh, Father, I thank you for who you are. You're a good, good Father. Uh, we delight in that. Yeah, we want to thank you for your Son, our Savior. And uh, Lord, we pray for guidance and for direction as we work through this. I uh, pray that uh, we might be clear as I've been praying for a long time, and I pray for your wisdom and your will when we think of a Colonial's plan for the future. Uh, Lord, there's a danger, I think, in uh, just going about normalcy without stopping to think and to evaluate how we as individuals are doing and how our church is doing. Uh, so, Lord, please give us grace to help us understand this. Uh, we want your assessment. Uh, Lord, I don't want to be a pastor of a church that one day has members stand and hear some of those shocking condemnations that the churches in Revelation heard. So, Lord, for the, your own glory, for your own goodness, we pray that you would make something out of out of us, sinners uh, saved by grace, and pray that you would do so for your glory. Pray that we would see uh, unbelievers come to know Christ, and I pray that you'd be glorified in everything we say and do. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, as we start this first strategic plan meeting, you might ask, what in the world is a strategic plan? Matter of fact, my wife has actually been hounded by questions, finding out a lot about the church already. Uh, my wife is being hounded by questions. What is he talking about? Strategic plan. I've been asked like three questions. She's been asked a hundred. Uh, what is he talking about? I mean, what, what, what's going on? What's he hiding? What's he covering? No. Uh, you know, what, what are we planning on doing as a church? That sort of thing. Okay, so I want to try to take the first 10 or 15 minutes today to give you an idea of what we're going to be doing over the next three weeks, uh, three hours together. Uh, and, uh, you know, like I said, uh, every week a pastor will join me up here because and, and, we want you to hear this plan coming from all of us. In short, I think what we're going to be discussing is a strategic plan for our church for the next five years that was drafted by your pastors, then affirmed, uh, by the Deacon Fellowship with their input. The pastors started e evaluating strengths and weaknesses of our church over a year ago. I felt that I'd been two years in being here and that a large part of God's call on my life in those two years was just to continue, continue uh, 
ministering in uh, the strengths of this church, trying to keep the strengths the strengths, and uh, there's a great heritage at Colonial Baptist Church. I know we're not the oldest church in the world, but things like the text and the grace of Jesus Christ as being primary emphases were things I felt like, you know, for these first two years, if I just like keep my eyes on that, and our leaders try to keep our eyes on that, and we pray, and we ask God not to, not to in any way could corrupt that or contaminate that, that would be an accomplishment. But after about two years or so, I, I just say, you know, God started stirring in my own heart that, um, you know, you need to not, not always just live off of the heritage of a ministry, the tradition of a ministry, but with fresh eyes, with new eyes, you need to think about how those biblical principles and strategies and text apply to uh, the world in which we face. And, you know, just on a personal note, I plan to be here for, you know, however long the Lord would have me, hopefully 20 plus years. Um, I don't want to do so, just continuing to do what we always do. But I want to think in fresh strategic ways about, okay, where are we strong? Where are we weak? How can we grow? How can uh, we have faith to believe that God can make more of us as a church than even we are currently? So the pastors began meeting, uh, discussing visions of what God might want for Colonial over that course of the year. I think, uh, I don't think I'm exaggerating. I know preachers sometimes exaggerate, and that's not my goal. But I think that we met on at least 20 or 25 different occasions as pastors to discuss a strategic plan and try to lay out something that would be helpful to you. The pastors then presented a draft to the Deacon Fellowship, and we took another 15 hours plus receiving their input and constructive feedback, not only in meetings, but deacons would come and, and give ideas and try to capture those, think through those, pray through those, see how we could add them or change the plan, uh, make it better. This resulted in a 21-page document. Uh, we're calling a five-year strategic plan for Colonial Baptist Church. Uh, uh, and in our three hours together, um, we will lay out some of the highlights of that plan. We can't cover it all. I mean, if it took us 20, 25 meetings, and it took the deacons and us 15 hours plus, we have three. So we can't cover it all, but we're going to stress what we feel are some of the most important parts. And at the end, we're going to make the entire document available to any member who wants to read it. So like, if you're a reader, and you're like, man, I just really want to read over that, we'll We'll make that available to you. It is a working document. It's something that we worked hard on, but it's something I think over time God will continue to change and morph. And some of the ways in which you'll do that is through congregational uh, input, as you give us input, as you help us think through um, this plan. I want to give you two important details about the plan itself, and then we'll get started into it. Uh, first, our strategic plan revolves around our church purpose statement and our grace essentials. Uh, we're, we're going to discuss our purpose statement and essentials in a moment, um, but let me just say, all of our strategies we've tried to connect with one of the essentials of our church. So as we evaluate strengths and weaknesses of different uh, ministries that we had going on, different relationships of people in the body, different ways we're trying to reach the lost and so on, we, we assessed them underneath of and connected them to our grace essentials, okay? And so if something wasn't easily connected to one of these driving essentials for our church, I think it's something that we should uh, abandon. Because so uh, they, they come out of that. On average, we articulate about 15 to 20 different strategies under each essential, 
These are specific ways we intend to honor the Lord with the text of Scripture, how we intend to use it. Specific ways we intend to worship together, to join in community together, to engage in mission together. And so what you'll see if you read that document, you pay attention next three hours, uh, you know, today, one hour today, okay, and then uh, one hour next week, one hour next week, sorry, <laughs> I saw some of you gulp. Uh, uh, what, what we will uh, talk about, you will hear some old strategies that maybe were never written on paper. I think it's important to write some of these things down on paper. Now, strategies can change. It's our doctrine that can't change, shouldn't change. If a strategy's not working, doesn't bring glory to God, you, you scrap it and you find a new strategy. Okay, but we wanted to document some of the old strategies and, and we'll also include some new ones. If you're a person that hates change, just, I'll just tell you, don't, be, don't panic. Don't don't be afraid. Um, you have your pastoral leadership who've prayed through this for over a year. You have the deacon fellowship who's joined with us in praying and thinking through this for several hours. And the way it's going to be presented is not a top-down, like, you know, get in line and do this. It's, this is a congregational plan. We desire for this to be a shared vision of what our church can do uh, for God's glory. And so uh, if the congregation's not on board, it won't happen. Okay, so, um, so I wanted you to know our strategic plan revolves around our church purpose statement and our grace essentials. The other important part I want to give you an introduction is the way we wrote this plan. We wrote it from the perspective of the congregation itself. Um, you say, uh, who's that? that's you. Okay. So we wrote it constantly, or we tried to consistently write it as we are committed to do this, we're committed to do that. We did not create these plans with a, a top-down approach, heavy, where we set all the strategies and standards. As a matter of fact, the pastors, and I know this, in interacting with them, they see themselves as your servants. Taking, the, uh, the emphasis, taking uh, Paul's words about apostles in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he saw himself and Barnabas as under the church, servants to the church. If that's true of apostles, I think it's most definitely true of pastors. And so I know uh, the heart of the pastors is to be under, to serve, but as servant leaders, we also know that God has given us a task to lead the congregation, to lead you, to think through how can we be more strategic, how can we, how can we do this? And so uh, that's why we've written it in the way that we have. We've taken much time to create a strategy with congregational input from the deacons and now hopefully with input from yourselves as well. Regarding input, we desire your input. That's why we're going to give you a few ways to give input. As a matter of fact, the next three Sunday nights are designed for your input. So tonight, well, we're not having a corporate service here. We're, having, we're calling the church to casual gatherings where you would get with one or two or three other members of the church, and you discuss together what you hear. Okay, it's not called gossip unless you like really go after a person but we're asking you to discuss what you hear, to think about it, to, to, to pray about it, to seek the Lord about it. Um, next Sunday night, we're having grace gatherings, and the pastors are uh, developing a, a questionnaire for the leaders of your adult Bible studies, your grace gatherings, that they can use. They don't have to use every question, but that they can use to talk about the essential we'll talk about next week, which is community. And to think and to pray about these strategies that the pastors are laying out before you. 
And then uh, finally, three Sunday nights from tonight, uh, there'll be a Q&A service. So five o'clock, you'll come in here, we'll sing a song or two at the beginning, and then we're gonna, the whole service is going to be a question and answer time. We will give you opportunities to turn in questions in advance, and then we'll have the pastors up here, and we'll try to answer your questions as best as we can. Those are just formal ways that you can give input. Um, we're not afraid of that. We actually want that. We'd be foolish not to desire that. Uh, because, again, if the plan is going to be effective, then you should probably get the church, church's perspective on it. Okay, it just so happens we are a congregational church, which means uh, one of the things it means is you get to vote on some important things like hiring and firing a pastor. Hopefully you're not thinking about that as a result of these uh, plans, uh, but that option's there. Read your bylaws, okay? You get to talk about, um, you, get to, you get to vote on membership when people become members and at times to ex- excommunicate someone who doesn't have character in keeping with the follower of Jesus Christ. You vote on important financial matters as well. There are ways that you can participate. It's, it's interesting, even if we weren't a congregational church, I think other forms of church polity, the congregation always has a say. They always have a say. Uh, they normally, if they can't vote formally, you know, some churches, congregation can't vote, they will vote. It will be with their wallet, with their feet, or with their lack of participation. Okay, so as you hear this church strategy plan, uh, you're going to vote, okay? We're not going to vote formally, but you're going to vote. Like, either you're going to participate or not. You're going to say, ah, I'm in or I'm not, okay? And I know that that's one of the dangers in, in trying to establish a plan like this. So we want it to be a shared vision. We trust that you will uh, fill opportunities for input, and uh, we hope by God's grace uh, that he'll be honored. So let's get started. I want to start by discussing our purpose statement. Our purpose statement is displaying God's glory by making disciples through the gospel of grace. I thought about quizzing you, but I'll quiz you in a moment. Okay, get you warmed up here. Displaying God's glory by making disciples through the gospel of grace. Uh, when we reviewed this statement and considered some of the most important aspects that we want to communicate to you, our purpose statement, and how the essentials fit together, our pastors really like the purpose statement. Uh, really like, I think it's, it's well done. There's one subtle, very subtle change we want to make to it. Okay? And that is we wanted to make Jesus Christ more explicit in the statement. Um, it's not that we haven't always been about Jesus at Colonial, but we wanted to make that explicit in our statement. So we are proposing a purpose statement changed this way, displaying God's glory by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It was gospel grace before. Now, it's not that we're not a grace church either. Oh, I knew that legalist would come in here and he's going to. No, it's not that either. Matter of fact, when I talk about our church to other evangelical believers, grace is one of the first things I talk about. The text and grace. Those two things. I'm like, if you want to come to Colonial and you want to experience it, what God has done historically through this church, I think it's unique and special in that they love the text of Scripture, just verse by verse right through it. They, they love it. And it's a grace church. Okay, but uh, displaying God's glory by making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We want that to be clear. When we looked at the purpose statement and the essentials, Jesus was not explicitly mentioned in any of them. And so we want to make that very clear for our generation and for future generations that there's one way only to make disciples, and that's through the good news of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. 
As we turn our attention to our grace essentials, uh, here's where your quiz is. Okay, so how many grace essentials can you name? Okay, don't say them out loud. Think about it. If you have a pen, try to write it down. Okay, so uh, we have five. I'll tell you that right now. Oh, don't look at your bulletins. (laughs) Mike Windsor, the professor, is keeping us all honest. Don't look at your bulletins. Uh, How many can you name? There are five. Okay, let's see if we can do it together as a class. We're not a class. We're a congregation. Together. Okay, so what's one of them? Text. Thank you. Okay, number two. Any order? Blah, blah, blah. Okay. (laughs) Worship. I heard that one. What else? Community. What else? (laughs) Those are the ones we like. No. Uh, What else? Equipping, I heard that, and one more, mission. Okay, so they're fine. Okay, so my clicker needs to work on me. It's not working right now. Just advance it five slides, Ben. One more. Okay, so those are the five grace essentials. As we evaluated that, evaluated the essentials, again, uh, we like them, but as we move forward, we would like to keep four of them. For the essentials of a grace church, uh, this, by the way, is coming from our pastors and deacons together. We all think this is a good idea. At least that's what they were all telling me. Um, I don't know about you, but to me, when I looked over these, one of these stuck out as being a little bit different. Okay, look at it again. Does anything stick out to you <laughs> as being a bit different? Okay, so, um, equipping. So, uh, you know, from the beginning, you know, why came equipping, uh, the others are nouns. Equipping, you know, grammar is a participle. It's an excellent thought. Uh, and so what we'd like to do is we'd like to drop equipping. We'd actually like to bring it under the text. There are a lot of ing words that we use related to the text. There are a lot of things that we do with the text. Preaching, teaching, counseling, discipling, and equipping. We'd like to make that one of those. So it's not that we're losing it, it's just that these four, text, worship, community, and mission, I think will allow us to communicate clearly. Now, it's not just a grammar thing, okay, but there's another reason why we would bring it under, and that is when we eliminate, and Ben, you could advance just one to the black slide. Um, When we eliminate it, the other four allow us to emphasize relationships that we have, every relationship that we have as a follower of Jesus Christ. So the text is God to us. God revealing himself to us. Okay, it's one of the ways God reveals himself is through the text of Scripture. Worship is us, collectively, to God. Us honoring him in all of our life. Okay, so God to us, us to God. When we talk about community, it's uh, us to believers. Us to other believers. There's a sense in which community, like we're going to talk about it and we'll define it for you in a few weeks, next week. Community is describing the way believers relate to each other, both within the body, one local assembly, and the larger body of Jesus Christ. So community is us to believers, and then mission is us to who? Unbelievers. Unbelievers, lost world. I mean, you put anything in there you want. So uh, that's going to be a way for us to talk about the grace essentials, right? God to us through the text, us to God through worship, 
us to believers through community, and us to unbelievers through mission. Okay, and that hopefully is another way to remember that, because I think it's hard for us to remember all of them. As a matter of fact, in a few weeks, we're going to be putting up a display in the Welcome Center area that will have the grace essentials in our purpose statement, just to remind you as we're thinking, as we're walking through, you know, this is what we think are the essential ingredients of a grace church. Having said all this, I want to take the rest of our time together to discuss the first two essentials, the text and worship. Pastor James is going to come now and present on the text, so Pastor James, come, and then I will close by drawing our attention to worship. Uh, There's a bulletin handout that might help you. You can find that, and Pastor James is going through the highlights on the text. That's one page. Backside would have worship, uh, but I look forward to hearing what Pastor James has to say here. All right, so text is very exciting, essential to talk about. Um, So as Pastor Brent was saying, part of our strategy is to keep doing what we've been doing. Um, So in probably in a lot of ways, text is going to be the essential that we maybe don't have as many changes in our strategy. But I still want to go through what our strategy is because we have a plan and you may not be aware of it. So we want you to know what the plan is, and then there's your chance to give us feedback whether it's a good plan or not. So the first thing we're going to look at under text is going to be in the area of teaching and preaching. Um, Three areas we want to cover with teaching and preaching um, are worship services. Sunday morning, Sunday night, we want to preach through the Old and New Testaments in regular sequence. So that is a little bit of a change for us because our our preaching has probably been more heavy on the New Testament side of things. So we we want to do in regular sequence preaching through the Old Testament and New Testament. Part of our strategy is for the senior pastor to normally speak twice a week. We don't want him speaking three times a week or four times a week. Um, We want to to keep him right at two times a week is, is where he's most comfortable and we don't want to overburden him. Um, In in our three to five year plan for preaching and our services, we want to go through the books like 1 Timothy. We're gonna be doing some selections from the book of Numbers, the Gospel of Luke, Ezra and Nehemiah, 2 Corinthians, and then select minor prophets. So I don't know if we'll get through all that in five years, but we'll see, okay? So those, those are kind of looking forward um, books of the Bible we plan to go through. Teens would be the next area of teaching and preaching we want to talk about. Um, you may or may not know this, but during the ABS hour is the main teaching time for the teens. And the youth staff has a four-part rotation. So you might be wondering, well, what else could you have besides the Old and New Testaments? Well, let me, let me fill you in. Um, So the teens do a rotation of teaching through a gospel, a New Testament letter, an Old Testament book, and then they do a study on theology or apologetics. And they go through that four-part rotation regularly in in the teen teaching. Children. We have a strategy for teaching and preaching to children. Um, Three services we'll talk about for children. We have children's church Sunday morning, Sunday night. Um, One of the things that you guys probably do know about our strategy is we have started to keep the children in the service for the beginning of the service, and then they leave right before um, the preaching time, which as 
As a dad of three girls, I love having my girls with me in the service. I love listening to them sing, and I hope you guys enjoy that too. Um, one of, the, one of the things we do in teaching the children in Children's Church is we use a curriculum produced by Children Desiring God. Um, if you're not familiar with Children Desiring God, this is produced from John Piper's church in Bethlehem Baptist. Um, it's now called Truth 78. But we just teach through a number of the curriculum they've produced, learning about redemption, learning about the names of God, the promises of God, redemptive history, among other studies. Uh, the way we teach the children is we have three Sunday morning teams and three Sunday night teams. They rotate monthly. So you teach for one month and you get two months off. Then you teach for one month and you get two months off. So this requires 24 teachers for teaching children's church. We currently do need more help with K4 children's church on Sunday morning. So if anyone is interested in helping with four-year-old children's church on Sunday mornings, let me know. The second way we teach children is through our children's Bible studies. This is from 11 o'clock to 12 o'clock during the ABS hour. We use a curriculum produced by Regular Baptist Press for the lower elementary. We use a curriculum produced by Generations of Grace for the upper elementary. So Generations of Grace is a Sunday school curriculum produced by John MacArthur's church, and um, it's excellent material. Regular Baptist Press is also the same um, group that Pastor Daniel is doing his commentary series through, his Regular Baptist Press. Um, we ask our children's Bible study teachers to commit to teaching the children for a year, and it takes 16 teachers uh, to fill those classes, to teach and minister to those children, and we also currently need more help with the K-4 children's Bible study class. So if anyone is interested in helping in that class, let me know. The third way we teach children is through the Awana program, and scripture memorization has always been the hallmark of the Awana program. It continues to, to be so, but in, in recent years, Awana has intentionally begun to emphasize Bible study and discipleship as important pieces to not just knowing God's word, but also to understand and obey God's word. And so they, they kind of have the, a threefold strategy. A child can study on their own or with their parents, then there's going to be a small group study, and then there's going to be a large group teaching time in club. And especially as, as you get to the older kids groups, the third through sixth graders, um, they implement that more and more. Awana requ uh, requires 65 volunteers, or I, I say it requires 65 volunteers. There are currently 65 volunteers who help with the Awana ministry. Um, so a lot of you are involved in this ministry, and we currently need three more volunteers to help with the three- and four-year-old group. They're called Cubbies. So we need some people that love four-year-olds, okay? <laughs> so in case you didn't catch that uh, theme <laughs> through all of our children's classes. So those are, those are our strategies for teaching and preaching, both in our worship services, with teens, with children. Um, the next big thing I want to talk about under the category of text is training. So this is where Pastor Brent was talking about. We, we pulled equipping down from being its own essential, and now it's part of our strategy on, under text. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with four main areas of training. First one is training men, and 
we just want to encourage men's Bible studies and accountability. I mean, this is, doesn't have to be anything official from the church. It can be just men getting together and forming their own Bible study. So um, I'm in Grace Life ABS, and Grace Life has a men's Bible study that meets every other Tuesday night. Um, and I know there's other adult Bible studies that have different men's studies and things like that. We want to encourage that. That is great. Um, we want to continue to offer the, the Saturday men's prayer time. And I know a number of you are involved in that. We want to offer cyclical men's studies during the equip classes. Wednesday nights, most of you have probably noticed by now, we have started equip classes on Wednesday nights. And we want to, we want to do, use those as a way of training men. And then we want to also begin offering an annual family emphasis retreat. It, it won't always be for men, but um, annually we want to do a retreat that's either for men. We want, might do one on marriage or parenting might do one for singles and that will just rotate annually but we do want we do want to start offering that and then the the last way we want to uh, bring a focus on training men is is through an annual family emphasis month in october beginning 2020 not not next month um, we want to start an annual family emphasis month training women is our strategies are a lot the same as the men we want to encourage women to have Bible studies on their own. Uh, again, um, the ABS I go to, Grace Life, has two women's Bible studies that meet every other week on Tuesday evenings. And I know lots of other, lots of other groups that are meeting for, for women's Bible studies. I know there's a Tuesday morning women's Bible study. There's a Wednesday morning women's Bible study, a Wednesday evening women's Bible study. So we want to just encourage that to keep going on. We want women to meet and encourage each other and build each other up. We also offer women's studies through the equip classes on Wednesday night. Um, we have an annual women's retreat or brunch, as well as an annual Christmas party, um, evangelistic focus get together um, for women. These are things that we have been doing. Um, the third, the third way we want to talk about training is, is talk a little bit about training for men, talk about training for women. And the third way would be our equip classes. We just started these, I think, three weeks ago. I don't know. It time gets away from me sometimes. But I think we've been three weeks into our equip classes. We are offering four equip classes currently. They're, they're seven-week classes, and they focus on a variety of topics of study. And so... Every seven-week study, or every time we do this, we want to have one of those classes on theological understanding. And, and the seminary has jumped in, Virginia Beach Theological Seminary, they, they've partnered with us, and those are going to be taught by seminary professors. But they're not, they're not limited to being for seminary students. These are, these are classes of theological understanding for the church, for any of you. Okay, and so the current study, they're studying the doctrine of God, and um, after that seven-week class is over, there's going to be another seven-week class. I don't know what the next one is yet, but these are, these are just going to keep rolling one after the other. The second equipped class um, that we're offering is a counseling class, and we're going, to keep, we're going to keep offering a counseling class every seven weeks. We're going to keep the, the counseling classes going. This is led by John and Carrie Fulberg, and the, the goal is to train men and women to be lay counselors here at Colonial. They're, they're going to be studying all kinds of things from intro to counseling, you know, basics in counseling to, you know, how to deal with marriage issues, parenting issues, anger, and you could talk to John and Carrie to find out the whole 
the whole list of everything they're going to go through, but they're going to be doing a lot of work in the area of counseling. And then the third area our equipped classes are, are focusing is biblical, a biblical living class for women. And um, I wasn't sure whether to name names on this one because I'm going to leave somebody out, but I, I wanted to at least to maybe put it together a little bit. So this is led by Carissa Belford, Terry Kent, Lacey Wright, and I'm probably leaving out a bunch of people. I have never been to one of these classes, okay? <laughs> so, um, and that's going to also continue. It, when the seven weeks is over, there's going to be another women's class, and then another one, and then another one, because this is how we want to equip in our, in, at Colonial. Um, the fourth class is a spiritual growth class. Um, this is going to be topics like prayer, which is the current study, spiritual disciplines, evangelism, those kinds of topics. So it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to vary um, each, each time a new class is offered. But these four classes, and, and there may be more in the future, but right now it's four. These four classes are designed to equip members at Colonial for ministry. And we realize that not everyone can attend the classes on, on Wednesday. And so we are recording the classes and we're making them available online for people who can't attend in person. So you can sign up for an online class option if you're unable to, if you're unable to attend the class. Um, so we talked about men, training men, training women, and training through equip. The fourth thing and final thing I really want to touch on as we talk about training is in the area of counseling. Okay, this is part of the equip classes, but we really desire to develop a team of 20 well-trained men and women to be lay counselors. Okay, now there is certainly a truth that every one of us has a responsibility to be speaking truth to each other, to be building each other up in love, to be bearing one another's burdens, all those kinds of one another responsibilities that we all share, and yet through this counseling focus, we want to we train 20 men and women to be trained lay counselors, all right? Um, right now, most, most of the problems, if they surface and, and get to that point, they come to the pastoral staff, and, and that's probably always going to be the case, and that is fine. That is part of our ministry, but we also want to train people in the congregation to come alongside and counsel as well, and so John Fulbright has a plan for developing counselors. Um, a big part of that training is the equip classes, but he has other ways, other means that he's going to be encouraging and trying to build a, a force of trained counselors. So as I end in talking about the text, um, we did identify equipping as an area of weakness at Colonial. And so we did, we have three new major ways of addressing this weakness, and that's through our equipped classes, through an annual family emphasis retreat, and through the counseling program. And we hope that through these strategies, these new avenues of training, that we will be better equipped, that we will better understand and live out the text of Scripture. Okay, all right, so let's put up the summary statement for the text there. 
text, knowing God by understanding and obeying uh, His Word. That's a statement you'll hear over and over again from us, and a visual that kind of pictures it you might see from time to time, God to us, Him revealing Himself through the text of Scripture. Um, text is very important for us. It's something that must continue. We pray that God protects it and that we can continue to develop not only the way we preach it and teach it, but use it. Uh, use it. And uh, hopefully you've experienced the equipped classes we're doing on Wednesday nights now. That is one of the major ways. Uh, so pastors did detect, you know, some, some weaknesses in, in uh, how and when we were equipping people for ministry and life. And so in the past, when we wanted to offer a special session or seminar on, you know, parenting or, you know, some specific area, we did it like during adult Bible study classes, but that really uh, was less than ideal. And so we moved it all to Wednesday night as elective courses, and there's a rhyme and a reason why we're selecting the classes that we are, so that we can do some very specific training with the text in how you should live, you know, life as a follower of Christ in, in areas that we feel deficiencies. So um, that's what we're doing there. Let's move along to worship, and I think my clicker, if you get me to worship, I'll take over from there. Okay. Um, so worship, summary statement, is honoring God in all of life. Turn to Romans 12, 1 and 2. I just want to connect this with Scripture to you. Our old statement was adoring Christ by expressing our, text, our text-saturated affections to Him. New one is simpler, a little bit easier to remember, hopefully, honoring God in all of life. Uh, foundational to this idea is that worship is something that we not only do on Sunday morning when we come, or Sunday night when we come together and sing and hear preaching and uh, in, in many different ways, but worship is an all-of-life thing. It's something we should be doing uh, at all times, so I'll show you that. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Because if you think about what Paul describes as worship in this text, it's the presenting of your bodies as a sacrifice to God. It's not necessarily connected with the gathering of believers together. That is uh, one way we worship. Worship involves, then, our whole being. And if you know Psalm 103, verse 1, top of your head, Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his name. Worship involves our whole being in all of life, okay? Uh, one of the ways you can prove this, you go back to Leviticus, just study the end of Leviticus, Old Testament, Old Covenant, even in the Old Covenant, worship mattered not only when they were at the tabernacle, but when they were in their tent, when they were in the street. So Leviticus 17 through 26, it's worship mattering all throughout life as they conducted themselves. And so there is a sense in which there's a broader sense to worship all of life. There is also the narrow sense when we gather together to worship, and that too is important, I think, of Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. It says, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So when we talked about worship, uh, the way we present it in the document that you'll get in a few weeks, and 
I'll just cover some of the highlights here in the last few minutes. We divided up into three ways. We organized our strategy in three ways. One was personal worship. Uh, that, okay, so that's the, uh, that's the image for worship, us to God. Um, so we had uh, our personal worship, personal life worship. So one of the things uh, that uh, we feel is important is that we, as a congregation, view all of life as worship and desire to glorify God in all we do. Okay, we grow together in that. And that we desire to pursue God personally through concentrated times of Scripture reading, study, memorization, meditation, fasting, prayer, listening to sermons, and music. Christian music. Okay, privately. Okay, so one of the things that's important for our church is that we see worship is not just here, but it's something we need to be doing. So some of the things that pastors are doing very specifically regarding strategy is we're committing ourselves to come up or create a list of good resources for you to use in your private devotions to grow. Good Bible studies, good resources for you to be using and factoring and bringing into your private time of worship. We're also, you know, equip is important for us as equip classes. Some of those classes will be very specifically on how to enhance or develop your personal disciplines of Bible study and prayer. So there's one of those categories for spiritual growth, and that's, you know, we're going to have a class on prayer, later on a class on Bible study, and uh, on some of these other things, scripture memory, and so on. When we, uh, then we also divide into smaller group worship, and uh, here we, we, we want to capture everything from like, uh, sorry, that was from my last one, uh, family worship. Uh, we want our, believe our church should be a church where families uh, are worshiping together, uh, where you as a family uh, spend time in the Word together, prayer together, and uh, of course this is uh, something that uh, we believe is important. God is glorified when Christians embrace their God-given roles within the family, so we want to encourage men and women to faithfully lead their families in worship including some of the th same things you do for private devotions, Bible study, prayer, scripture memorization, and so on. And so, again, the list of resources we develop will help families in this process, good studies for families to use as they're studying the scripture together, as they're praying together, and uh, some of those equipped classes will help there. There are other smaller gatherings that we encourage, uh, some structured like uh, the ABS Hour and Grace Gatherings, I think, give us opportunities to worship in smaller groups together. Um, but we want to encourage organic gatherings of believers who just get together uh, th through various expressions of worship uh, to serve the Lord. Okay, for the, the rest of our time, I want to draw our attention to uh, corporate gatherings, which many of our strategies have to do with that. And more specifically, there are six aspects of worship that we have in our document. I'll, I'll just communicate the highlights to you about public worship. A lot of times when people think public worship, they think singing, and that's a part of it. But there are many things we do to, to, when we gather together that are worship, and so we want to just give you a little glimpse into our plan and our strategies for those. Uh, the first one, are uh, one of the ways that we worship together is through the observation of the ordinances. Okay, and so this is something that we've been doing since I think our very beginning, where we have the Lord's table once a month. It rotates Sunday morning, Sunday night. So if you're a member here and you're like, when do we do it? It's usually the first Sunday 
uh, of the month, and uh, we rotate one Sunday, it's in the evening. Next month, it's in the morning, and normally rotate like that, because we have some believers who uh, cannot come to church Sunday morning, who can only be here Sunday night. They work or something Sunday morning, and so if we only did the Lord's table in the mornings, they would never be able to partake in the Lord's table. So we rotate it. Deacons help serve. They set up the table. They take care of things. And so that's important to us. It's a way of worshiping. So too is baptisms. We have baptisms as regularly as people want to be baptized. They follow the Lord. They believe that he is the only means of salvation. They come. They want to join the church. They want to uh, or be baptized. We will prepare that over there in the the gymnasium, and so this is one of the ways that we, we regularly worship God together. Singing is an important part, and you can see in that handout that we gave you, I just put, put down some of the strategy, a little bit more specific there in singing, because I know a lot of people have questions, but our goal in singing together in corporate services is to honor God and encourage others through singing. Okay, do you understand that? Like when we gather together in singing, there's a vertical focus and there's a horizontal dimension too. So when we gather together to sing, we're worshiping our creator God. But also it has, effect, has an effect of edifying and building other believers. When I heard you sing today, uh, there were some of the songs I just stopped and I listened and I heard you sing them and God used them to encourage me in my walk with him. You were singing truth and that's one of the things that we do with worship. 1 Corinthians 14, 26 talks about worship, edifying believers, building believers, and I think singing is one of the ways we do that. Our strategy for singing involves the following emphases. There are at least four of them here, choosing songs that are theologically sound. We have to do that. Uh, Reflect God's character and lead believers to rejoice in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So it's like we're choosing songs together. Usually Ben Kilcup and I work on that together. Other pastors will join in if we ever introduce a new song. When we introduce new songs, all the pastors sign off on it. Ben is a part of that discussion now too, and we're so glad to have him here uh, to help us with some of these worship initiatives. Uh, But songs that are theologically sound, reflect God's character, and lead us to rejoice in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are, just so you know, we are striving to be intergenerational in our music styles and approaches, using older hymns and newer music, both. The goal, and I I believe very strongly about this, is everyone singing together. Multiple generations singing side by side, Lord willing, in one service. I know we've had multiple services in the past, like my goal, one service, old and young singing together, because I think that that is an excellent tribute to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The the gospel of Jesus Christ not only brings people from different ethnic backgrounds together so that they can sing, it brings people different backgrounds, different ages and generations, and they all stand side by side. I love seeing an 80, 90-year-old person singing right next to a teenager the same song, Rejoicing Jesus Christ. So we do strive to be intergenerational in our worship, uh, and we want people singing together. Using a variety of musical instruments for corporate worship, uh, and then also ministering to each other through, in song through congregational singing, choirs, worship teams, orchestras, special music within our church services. So you can read more about that. I know I went quickly through that, um, but that's a little bit of our singing philosophy, uh, Colonial Baptist Church. 
But that's not all we do when we worship. We, we not only participate in the ordinances and sing, we, when we get together in corporate gatherings, we pray together, and that's a form of worship. I don't know if you know this, but I want to take just a moment to tell you that our pastors think very carefully about our prayers in the morning service, and, and other services too, but for instance, in our morning service, we have four times of prayer. Ever think about that? Normally, we have four times where we pray together corporately. Okay, one is the opening prayer, and what we're trying to do there is read a scripture that draws our attention to the character of God, and then in that opening prayer, we want to adore God for his greatness. Okay, so that's how we've been starting. Read a scripture on the character of God, adore God for his greatness, to teach us all more how to adore him. There's a prayer following the scripture reading that normally contains adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and requests. So we, we read scripture, and then we pray through that scripture. Do you, do you recognize that? So in a morning service, we have a scripture reading. It's usually a text that's very similar to the one we're preaching on, and one of the pastors will pray through that text. That's another way of praying, and we're doing that very deliberately. There's a prayer during the mission spotlight time, and that's a prayer normally of request. We make requests for our missionaries, and the goal and the hope there is that this prayer that we pray on Sundays for our missionaries is a reminder to you that we need to be praying for our missionaries. And here are some of the ways we can be praying for them. The prayer following the sermon uh, is the fourth one. The prayer following the sermon is normally a prayer of confession or a prayer of making requests to God that he would use the sermon specifically in our lives to do and accomplish great things for the glory of his own name. So we pray a lot in our corporate gatherings, but there's reasons why we do that. There's four of those prayers, and we're trying to model praying for you. Another form of worship in the morning gathering is preaching. Pastor James already talked about that. But we want preaching that goes faithfully through the text, interprets it, and applies it to believers. Scripture reading. Public scripture reading is another form of worship, and uh, I won't take the time, but again, if you think about it, next time you come to a morning worship service, see how many times we read scripture together. I tell you, there are four times that we typically read scripture together, and there are specific reasons why we do that. When we give you the plan and written form, you'll be able to see that, but that's important to us too. And then finally, very last thing, giving, giving. Giving is a form of worship. We desire to be faithful and cheerful givers to the Lord. So we collect grace gifts on the first day of the week in accordance with what we think the Scripture teaches. We do so in our morning and evening services. And uh, as we've examined some of our weaknesses, knowing that culture's changing a bit, one of the things we would like to uh, look at doing in the future is uh, making online giving possible as well. Okay, so uh, we've talked a lot through that. I just want to... Uh, uh, so I, I had an older banker, uh, well, someone who was in banking for a long time, come up to me recently and say, when are you going to let us give online? He's like, uh, no one writes checks anymore. Uh, so, well, I don't know, no one. <laughs> I think we've got examples of people who give in all kinds of different ways. And so we're going to look into that and just uh, hopefully make that available as a way just for you to give as well. My ultimate desire in giving is not that we would meet budget. We don't meet budget. God will lead us to make some changes, and that'll be his perfect plan and will for our church. My main desire as a pastor for you in giving is that you'd be faithful, not faithless. 
And while I don't know uh, what anyone gives, I know that we have both types of givers in our church, faithful and faithless. It's our prayer that you will receive one day commendation from God for the way you cheerfully gave back, you know, like all the stuff he's given you, you cheerfully give some of that back to him. Uh, But I want to close just by uh, reading a text. We like to let the text speak for us on these subjects. So just turn and I'll just read to you Uh, a section of Luke chapter 12, Luke 12. By the way, if any of you find my Bible, let me know. I set it somewhere down out there during the break, couldn't find it. But I got a pew Bible here. Glad we have these. Luke 12, and I just want to read 13 through 21. Uh, A faithful deacon uh, used this text on Thursday night as a devotion. I thought, man, this is just so fitting when it comes to giving. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I'll store all my grain and all my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared. Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. They're from, I mean, how can you do better than what Jesus says there about giving, about covetousness? These things are given to us from God. They're his. And so I, my prayer is just that we'd be faithful givers, and I know that um, many of you desire that. And I think some of you need to grow in that. And again, I, I never know who gives anything. I know what I give sometimes. So... Um, I just trust that uh, God will do that work in us too. These are all different ways we worship in a corporate gathering. The ordinances, singing, prayer, preaching, scripture readings, giving, these are all ways that you can be a part of worship. Uh, I'm going to close us in a word of prayer. Let me have you stand, and uh, we're going to close. As soon as I'm done praying, Ben Kilcup will be up here. Ben, you can come on up now, and we are going to sing Praise God from whom all blessings flow together a cappella to close. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to discommunicate a few important things about the essentials of the text of Scripture and worship. There's a lot more that we could say, but Lord, I pray that you would uh, refine our church, help our church. May we become more strategic in the way we use the text and apply it to our lives. May we become more strategic in the way we worship you as well. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.